guys and gals, welcome to the Oxford Holy Club, a place where we ready ourselves to give an answer for the hope that's in us. We will also try to answer your questions, random questions from the interwebs, and have some fun too. So put some seatbelts on your ears because we're in for a wild ride. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Oxford Holy Club. We're glad that you've chosen to join us, your podcast of choice, I hope. If it hasn't been favorited, it certainly should be by now. We are on episode five. Uh, very excited. I have a very special guest. And looking at the bio in front of me, I have probably the most distinguished guest to this point we've had on the show. So the teenagers that were previously on and my friend Lucas, sorry, um, but this guy's really got it going on. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest today. His name is Reverend Dr. Ian Fitzpatrick. He was born in Lurgan, uh, Northern Ireland. Did I pronounce that right? You did. Wonderful. In 1978, he served as a missionary for Bible Land Mission in Beirut, Lebanon for three years. In 1981, he attended Nazarene Bible College in Colorado Springs, and after graduating, immigrated to Toronto, Canada to pastor the Mississauga Bethel Church from 1984 until 1989. He helped provide leadership for the Toronto, the Target Toronto thrust to the cities for the following three years and then was called as pastor of the Toronto Emmanuel Church of the Nazarene in 1992. I'm still going here, people. Hold on. During this time, he earned a master's degree in, the in theological studies from Ontario Theological Seminary. He was elected as district superintendent in June 2004. He serves on the general board of the Church of the Nazarene and the National Board of Canada. He received an honorary doctorate of Nazarene Bible College in May 2017 and was elected national director for the Church of the Nazarene Canada, effective November 1st, 2017. Whew. So he's pretty much the uh, Canadian Nazarene Pope. And I thought that might sit well with you. So my question is, before we even do anything, welcome to the show. What do I call you? Ian. Brad, Ian is the name. Okay. Yeah. Now, can I call you that, you know, sure, on the podcast, but even after the podcast? Absolutely. So you're not just saying this just for the people at home to, to hear? No, no, no. It's the name that my mother and father gave me, and it's the name that I'm most familiar with. Okay. Well, Ian, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, listener at home, we right now are at Big Lake Camp in, uh, in Nova Scotia, and there's family camp happening, and, and Ian is our speaker for the week. And so he's just kind of coming, going back and forth all over the campground. And so I was able to carve out some time with him to get him on the show. So... Um, we're very appreciative of your time. So uh, what we do here is uh, with, the, with the podcast, we kind of ask a few silly questions just, you know, to have some fun with, but then we're going to take some time and, uh, and look at some different questions that are out there. Specifically, I would love to talk with you about your role in, in the Church of the Nazarene in Canada and, and, and just have some fun together doing this. So there's a website that I frequent called um, Yahoo Answers where people will... They'll, they'll put out random questions and people will give responses back and some of them are awful and, and they're hilarious <laughs> and everything in between. Um, but this, this was a question that, that for me right now, at the age I'm at, I ask this question every now and then, at what age is someone no longer young? Well, I'm 63 and I'm young. Okay. I feel young. So sure. I don't know, I think, I think it depends on the person, uh, a young person, Sure, each organization has different ages, limitations as to when you can be a part of the official youth program. But young is a state of mind, Brad. Okay. It's a state of mind. 
Okay. I've always had a dream of being an old man with a rocking chair on my deck with maybe a gun. Yeah. Or, or maybe not, maybe a dog instead. Well, if you add skinny jeans to that, it looks really good. <laughs> yeah. You're in my head. Get out of my head. That's exactly, what, <laughs> that's exactly where I'm going. <laughs> so young is a state of mind. You know, um, I've been labeled old man silica now for how, how many years? It's been a, it's been a couple of years. Oh. I don't know if it's the beard. Do I seem old to you? No, not at all. No, no, I mean, you're not young, but I mean, you don't seem old. Oh, you know, okay, you're, so you're, I'm not young. No, but I don't have your state of mind. Uh, so you, you, yeah, you qualify. You're young. Okay. When your beard turns gray, that's whenever we start asking the question. Hmm. Well, full disclosure, I sometimes color my beard. Mm. Now, it's not gray, it's red. I get, I, I'm uh, a redhead. Yeah. And yeah. so the red comes in, and I've been coloring yeah. it yeah. for a long time. Okay, all right. Well, listen, it, it, that's okay. You can, <laughs> you can live behind your beard as long as God knows your heart. He, <laughs> he does. He certainly does. Okay, well, well, there you go, listener, in case you were asking the same question. It's a state of mind, so be as young as you feel, or you are as young as you feel. Now, this is a different... I've heard this more often, um, not on the internet, but people have asked me this. How do you feel about putting pineapple on pizza? Love it. Me love too. it. I really love it. It has to be uh, the right kind of pineapple. It can't be old, already past its best, because then it tastes awful when it's cooked. No, it has to be right. It has to be just at the prime of its life, along yeah. with a little sliver of ham. Ooh. And that is... That is pizza. That's ho that's a Hawaiian pizza. That's a Hawaiian pizza. Yeah, that's sure a, it is. That's a good thing. And it's good. I, I enjoy that. I order yeah. that all the yeah. time. But I, I take a lot of grief. I don't know about uh, you. Do, uh, your, well, do your friends ever? Uh, no, because, I, well, I never thought it was uh, something not to do. I, I grew up in a protected world. And so uh, Hawaiian pizza was something that would be accepted. So that, I, I, I don't sweat that. I just eat it. That must be nice. 320 calories a slice, by the way. Who's counting, though? I am. Why? Well, because I have a Fitbit, and oh, if I'm not supposed to say that, but I wear a Fitbit. Not a sponsor. I count my steps, or it counts my steps and my calories, and hey, I know just about everything there is to know about where calories are. Well, they're all over me right now. <laughs> Oh my goodness. You should, you should have heard some of the sponsors I was, or we don't have sponsors on the no. show. So I do a little, not a sponsor segments where okay. I just promote things that I'm eating. Yeah. Generally it's a wrapper out of my trash. I pick up and go, but I flipped over, I was eating sunflower seeds Yes. and I flipped them over and saw how much fat Yes. yes. it blew but, my mind. But it's good fat, Brad. It's good fat. Are you, are you oh, kidding? Yeah, it's good fat. Yeah, that's why the birds come and eat it. That's why it's the best bird seed there is. As long as it's sunflower hearts, that you'll get every bird there is in creation coming into your backyard. I heard an interesting story recently about sunflower hearts. Yes, sunflower hearts. Yeah, and they attract rats as well. I've heard that. Yeah, it was. But we don't need to go there. We're taking a lot of time of your podcast. Okay. But if you want to talk about that, I'll come back. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, then this is one when I read it initially, I laughed out loud. So I hope that you're ready. Yeah. <clears throat> why are buffalo wings so small for such a big animal? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Is there more to the joke or is that it? That was it. Oh, that, no, that's good. That is really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I have the same problem with chicken fingers. Really? Oh, man. I get confused every time I go to the store. Sure. Yeah. This person was very confused and people were trying to give them the explanation of explaining that they clipped the wings off of baby buffalo so they couldn't fly. Yeah. 
I could I could understand that. that yep. would be, you imagine the mess that would make if they could fly? It, <laughs> you imagine flying buffalo. <laughs> Yeah, wouldn't be good. Well, it wouldn't be good. Listener, uh, whoever you are that asked this question, just so you know, um, buffalo is a type of sauce and not a, buffaloes don't fly. This is my wife um, who listens off and on to the podcast. I'm not sure that she, we would classify her as a fan. She asked this What do you think of Harold McDonald? I think Harold McDonald is one of the uh, most. Uh, I would say one of the most handsome men wow. that you could that you could find. He seems to have a permanent smile. Like the grin sure. is there. I think he was born with it. Um, uh, in fact, he was here last night or the night before when I was preaching and I said something and I saw this grin and I, I had to retrace my notes because I, I actually thought he was making fun of what I said. But Harold has a great heart. I mean, apart from his looks, he's just a solid man. <laughs> solid. Well, you may or may not know, he is my grandfather-in-law. I married into his to his family. Well, listen, I'm glad I answered that way. If uh, I had answered uh, a different way, we'd have been in trouble. I really wondered where that oh, would go. Oh, I'm glad. Now, oh. my, my mother-in-law, Joanne's daughter, listens to the podcast. So they made a promise, I think, that they'll listen and get Harold listening to it as well. So Good. Harold, you are loved. I'd love to know what you put in your hair, but you're loved. <laughs> Well, um, as I mentioned earlier in the introduction, Ian, you are currently, um, you've been elected as the director of the Nazarene Church in Canada, the national director of the church. And, uh, and so uh, what's that been like? It's been a transition. Um, but, you know, God, God moves in provenient ways. And four years ago, I knew that a change was coming to my life. Didn't know what it was yep. as far as ministry is concerned. But in those four years, you are watching and waiting and uh, seeing what God is doing. And so moving into this role, it has been different. Sure. You move away from your superintendency and uh, in many ways in, in these different roles that come to you, you move further and further away from the trenches. Mm -hmm. If you allow it to happen, you have to intentionally get back into the trenches. And so I do that. Um, and so it's a ministry that, that I believe God has called me to. And it's a ministry that I'm thoroughly enjoying. And the family is just getting larger and larger across the country. It seems like this role has really suited you well. I feel that. And that's probably for others to assess more than me. I can sure. tell you how I feel about it. Yeah. Is it what God has called me to do from the perspective of others? I trust that's a witness. I really do trust that's a witness. Well, I would affirm that. Good, thank you. Um, so the Church of the Nazarene in Canada, you know, we're not a huge denomination in Canada. Certainly in other places of the world, we you know, have more churches and, and all that. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to know your perspective on what sets us apart as Nazarenes. We're not the only church that is a holiness church. Um, but what is it that is unique about us that if you had to explain, you know, who we are as Nazarenes to someone, uh, a youth, a young adult, or just somebody off the street, how would you describe us? Mm. You know, it's, it's the word that you would tend to use would normally come before another word. The other word is church. So you would be defined as a a liberal church or a conservative church or an evangelical sure. church or a holiness church. Now, each of those uh, words don't do justice 
to the value of who we are. So I would rather not have a preface to the word church, but rather have a postlude to it and say we are a church that believes in holiness. Mm-hmm. And so that is needed to be unpacked as well because there are many, many churches that believe in holiness. The expression of that is to be like Jesus, to preach a gospel that is full and complete without anything lacking, and to recognize that we are partnering with many other great denominations who are doing the same but would never take a flagship title. Right, right whether it's holiness or whether it's evangelical or anything else. I would say that we're not so much evangelical as we are evangelistic. Now, what, is, what, what would be the distinction there that you would make? The distinction is that there is a danger that the word evangelical can take on a political connotation. Absolutely. And so when you begin to look at the social issues of the day, there's a voice uh, for us here in Canada that has an evangelical focus. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that in its place. I would rather use the word evangelistic because we believe in sharing the gospel, the good news, with every person. Yes. And so that's the descriptor that I would prefer to use. I think that's a a good distinction. I think I hear an awful lot in news. It seems like in the media, when you hear the word evangelistic, or sorry, evangelical, there's a negative connotation right now. And they become very much the brunt of a a lot of, you know, oh no, they're just, they're an an evangelical. And, And people will write you off on, on, on that without ever getting to know who you are. And it also can cause division within the body of Christ because you have great denominations, mainline denominations that have been around for a long, long time who are not necessarily described as evangelical. Mm-hmm. And they look at us and think, okay, well, what are we? You know, we've been around sure. a long time. And so I think it is good to distinguish between those two titles, not criticizing any of them, just saying sure. for clarity's sake, I would rather be described as a person and a church that is evangelistic in nature. Fantastic. I would, I would agree. Um, so as you've been in this role now, I'm sure God's been putting on your heart different things. And I've heard a little bit. I've got the privilege to sit in some of the, um, the seminars and different things that, that we do, the leadership trainings, to hear the vision, you know, what God's been laying on your heart for the Church of the Nazarene in Canada. Um, but I would love it if you would be able to share, and you can take as much time or as little time as you would like with that to kind of, you know, share where you see us going. And then I'd love to add on to, to that question, um, because I expect that probably our demographic that are listening, majority, would be in the youth, young adult, and certainly there are adults that are listening. But I would love to hear... Um, kind of where they fit into that, you know? Absolutely. The fact of the matter is, you know, that anybody who takes on a new role is not Mr. or Mrs. Fix-It. Sure. You, You know, it's not as if you come to a role and everything that has been done up to then has been less than what is desired. That's not the case at all. There's some tremendous history for the Church of the Nazarene Mm -hmm. here in Canada, coast to coast. Just completed a coast to coast um, tour of our district assemblies. And and the church is alive and well. God is doing something very special. That might sound cliche. No, but that's good to hear. But it really is encouraging. Yes. And in 
in different contexts. I mean, yeah. here, is this, this part of the world is not the same as British Columbia, but God is doing something common to all, and that is addressing needs. What is most impressive to me is the number of young people who are becoming engaged in ministry. They're not necessarily interested in the denominational package, Right. They're not necessarily interested in all of the form that they have to go through to belong. So they have to understand, and I'm a, I want to champion this, that um, you, you can be a part of the church. You can belong to the church before you necessarily believe in it. Yeah. Hmm. And I think that that's is, uh, that, that's an important thing because historically churches have required belief before belonging. It's called formal membership. Yeah. I think if we approach it the other way, that the, the nurturing and, and the support and the fellowship of the church can actually take a person from just simply belonging to believing in what they belong to. Hmm. And I think the end result, the fruit of that will be, will be much greater and much more beneficial. Young people are an integral part, not only of our future, but of our present. Yes. Um, you know, and again, every leader worth his or her salt should be, should be leaving that and should be saying that, that every young person not only is, um, is wanted, but every young person is needed. Yeah. And we cannot do without the young uh, generation or generations, because there's a number of people who consider themselves young, uh, as we discussed at the very beginning. Mm. Um, the vision for the Church of the Nazarene, you know, I could sit here and give you the six points. I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm not even sure that I would be bold enough to say it's the vision of the Church of the Nazarene. It's, it's what God has planted in my heart. And I think the coverall for that is that we become a movement again. Right. That if we have a movement mentality, not unlike the Wesleys who uh, saw the beginning of Methodism in England and in North America, then if we can get that movement mentality, we will be on the right track. Mm -hmm. And whatever uh, clothing, whatever uh, we have to wrap that in, we need to be sure that it fits. That the wrapping fits the movement. And as long as we keep on that track, we will actually make some progress. It's interesting you would say it quite the way you did. I, uh, I'm in a course right now. I'm actually in my last week of a course called Becoming a Holy in this People. Right. And uh, one of the things that they talked about was, you know, what you just referenced, our beginnings, you know, and, and how we have kind of moved away from a lot of what, what we used to be. And it's not about going back to that, but it's about recontextualizing and making it applicable now, but with the same, you know, some of the same things. And, and we were a movement. We used to be a church that was on the move. And, and I'm not, I, this is not a doom and like we're, we're stagnant, things like that, but there's always room to grow. But, you know, they were really emphasizing the fact that, that we need to become that again, not the past, but what works for today and, and, and knowing our heritage, because, and I think you may have actually said it um, in one of your messages this, this week was that you can't know where you're going without looking back to seeing where you've been. If you want to know what you're heading towards, look, you can look back. That's right. Yeah. And it is very important not to 
uh, throw out the baby with the bathwater. Yes. It is very important for us to have a bearing and a heading. And in the Maritimes, people will know what that means. We, we must uh, discover true north. Yeah. And true north for the church of Jesus Christ, regardless of what title is on it, mm-hmm. true north is Jesus and following his instruction and going back to the gospels and finding out how he did what he did in three short years with a group of people who hardly knew what they believed except for a Jewish tradition that was ingrained in them. But the broader picture that Jesus introduced was was not only news to them, but it was good news. And I think that that's what a movement does. Um, a, a movement keeps the news good hmm. and it keeps it current and it keeps it contextualized and it keeps it um, authentic. Yeah. And the Wesleys kept it authentic by uh, accountability groups. Mm. You, you, you may have referred to that in the past in your podcast, but the accountability groups made the movement authentic. It wasn't just that we're going to be the newest thing in town That's now, right. but we are going to be the authentic expression of Christ and his church. Authenticity goes an awful long way um, because there is, there is a temptation in, in a holiness movement, I think, sometimes for people to have the holier-than-thou approach to things. Um, I have found in my own life that the people that have been influential in, in me and in calling me to holiness besides scripture and Jesus have been authentic people that are just real people that really live it. And, and that, that gets me excited because I go, I don't want to be some, you know, I, I just want to be me and I want to live in holiness and, and I, and I want to get out there and share that good news. This morning in, in the session, I, I preached on uh, living a pure life the life of purity. Hmm. And uh, I, I referenced something that happened to the church at some stage. I don't know when. Like the, the Church of the Nazarene? The Church of the Nazarene. The church in general. Church in general. I mean, I grew up, I was not always a Nazarene. I was, grew up in the Methodist church, um, raised, uh, raised in the Methodist church. But what I noticed was that the church took on the expression of the culture. And the culture for the church back then, maybe in the 50s, maybe before that, certainly in the 60s and 70s, the church was defined by what it wore, (laughs) how it looked, if it had a three-piece suit on. I I happen to like a shirt and tie, but that doesn't define my spirituality. And what what was being expressed was not a biblical culture of purity and holiness, but a Victorian one. Mm. Hmm. The church embraced the Victorian era, which quite apart from the church was a very conservative uh, time in the history of England primarily, simply because a queen had uh, either officially made an edict that this is how we will show our morality by wearing clothes that cover every square inch of your body, et cetera, et cetera. And the church simply embraced that and defined that as holiness. And so it's only when that was challenged and when Queen Victoria then was no longer queen and it took a long time past Queen Victoria for that to die off, the expression of biblical holiness came to the fore. And so today, 
we have a much more relaxed approach, which is probably not the worst thing in the world. Sure. But we must make sure we find balance in all of this. So it doesn't take long for the church to take on the expression of uh, society, the society in which it is, but we need to guard against that and discover what the true biblical holiness model is. Well, certainly the biblical model of holiness is the metric yes. to which all those should be. Yes, you know, so absolutely. How often, I mean, we see that an awful lot where culture is modeled in the church. And that's, go, no, go ahead. Uh, the, church should, the church should be um, a microcosm of its community. Hmm. but not a microcosm of its society. Wow. And I think there's a difference between society and community. Society is, um, you know, the societal norms. Most people who live in a community uh, probably don't uh, aspire to the societal norms because societal norms are, are relative. They're, they're, they're not a fixed object. They're not an absolute. And so... Um, I think it's dangerous. We must always um, demonstrate that we are a microcosm of the community in which we live, but not necessarily uh, a microcosm of the society that we're a part of. Thank you, Ian. Wow. Listener, go back and listen to that whole thing again. There's a lot of meat in there for you to digest and for me to digest. I'm going to be listening back on that for quite a while. Uh, in, in relation to the Church of the Nazarene, your role, um, you know, a- anything at all, uh, is there anything else, kind of before we move on to a different uh, portion of the, the, the show, is there anything else that you'd want to share? I would just say to whoever's listening, if you're um, struggling with the church, that is the organized entity called the church, um, give it another shot, give it another chance. Come with an open mind. Look at the value systems in the body of believers that you might uh, be a part of or you might want to try out. Uh, Give it another chance and walk in there recognizing that uh, Jesus has walked in before you and could very well be walking in with you and prayerfully walk out with you. Wow, that's good. That's a good word. Thank you, Ian. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time for the Not A Sponsor segment, my favorite time. And so buckle up because here it comes. As you know, I'm a big fan of coffee. I'm also a big fan of water. But the two things are generally two different temperatures. At least that's how I enjoy them. So what do I do? I have a Contigo travel mug. This keeps my coffee hot when I want it that way. It keeps my water cold when I want it that way. And with its auto seal trademark technology, I can hold this thing upside down over my microphone and computer and keyboard like I'm doing right now. Nobody does it better at keeping me hydrated and or the opposite of that, because I don't think coffee hydrates you, than Contigo travel mugs. You can find them at your local Costco, independent grocer, or any other place that's probably not a sponsor. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back from the Not A Sponsor break. We hope that you enjoyed that and are as excited for that product as I sure am. Uh, we're going to take uh, a different turn now, uh, one that you're familiar with. As you know, listener, we like to look at one of the 22 questions that John and Charles Wesley and the group of men at the Oxford University, that they, when they would get together as an accountability group, they would ask each other. And we've talked about this before, the reason for why they've done that. And, and I know our guest, Ian, is familiar with this. And so I'm not going to go through again why they're doing this, but, but know that it is about their spiritual health and well-being and being effective uh, in the world around them and living out what they really believed. So I read this question a little while ago, and, and, and Ian, I, I shared with you just kind of in between here during the ad break that, that this was something that really hit home for me. It really challenged my, my walk. The question that they would ask each other was, Am I enjoying prayer? When I read that, I'd never really thought about prayer as something, and I don't, I don't even know if I like to say it like this, but something, I never, I don't know if I've ever thought about it as something that I enjoyed in, in maybe the way I read it that time. Um, certainly I have a prayer life with the Lord and, and, I, and he and I talk and, and I hear him, and, but I'd never stopped to think, huh, why am I praying? And, and what is that relationship like? Is it out of obligation? Is it out of, you know, I'm in trouble, Lords, or Lord, I need leading right now. Or, so for me, I'm, I, uh, like, as I shared, I made an intentional effort to really look at my prayer life with him. And I realized that I was doing an awful lot of talking, an awful lot of talking, and, uh, and not as much listening as I needed to be doing. And, uh, and so I made the, I made the point of, of um, just spending time, even an hour of just being still and just saying, Lord, I'm, I'm here and I'm listening. And, and it's, it's, it's changed my spiritual life, frankly, uh, without going into much detail, it has changed an awful lot for me. Um, we, can, we can certainly look at scripture, you know, Jesus teaching us how to pray and things like that. But, uh, but I'm curious, what, what do you think? And I'm not asking you specifically, are you enjoying prayer? Although if you want to talk about that, that's fine. Um, we kind of look at these questions and dissect them a little bit about maybe their intent, why they were asking that, and, and how it could apply to us or maybe the listener at home. Brad, it's a great question. It's, it's a question, however, that might need a little um, examination. I, I'm not sure the word uh, enjoy in the question uh, was meant to communicate what we know by enjoy uh, today. Sure. Uh, are you enjoying prayer? Seems to me that it would perhaps mean are you enjoying being a part of God's plan? Are you enjoying hmm. being a part of a team of people who are invoking his presence and his will to be done? Are you enjoying be a, being a participant in the cosmic battle that is on hmm. rather than, oh, you know, whoopee, I'm, I'm so <laughs> glad to be able to, to do this. Right. I, I, I think that that, and that is borne out by um, uh, the fact that the, probably the lowest attended meeting in any local church these days would be the prayer meeting. Yeah. So if it is basic, if, if it is primarily on the basis of joy, the way we would sure. traditionally interpret it, that should be full. That place should be full. Yes. And so what churches have typically tended to do is to, is to fancy it up a little bit. 
Hmm. So they combine a prayer meeting uh, with a Bible study. And what invariably happens is if the meeting is one hour long, you'll have 50 minutes of Bible study and wrap it up with 10 minutes of, of prayer. Um, and so there, there's a real, I, I think there's a real need for us to understand what that enjoy means. The scripture, you know, you've cited some scripture in our, I, I don't know if we were on air or not, but um, Jesus uh, in speaking with the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yes. I, I mean, I don't think for one minute that he, he had promised them a, a, a really good night, right? You know, you're going to have a, a brilliant night here. We're going out. We'll have a great service. Uh, my presence will just, will just invade you, and, and this will be the greatest service that you'll ever be a part of. The fact of the matter is, they fell asleep. They, f- they fell asleep, and Jesus was so challenged by that and so burdened by that. He said, could you not, could you not watch with me one hour? That word watch uh, is, is, is prayer. It's, it's prayer. It's, it's, it's watching. It's, it's looking at the orbit of spirituality and saying, okay, what, what, what do I need to anticipate here. How can I participate in this great plan of God and work with him and partner with him? That's what, to me, would make this a a joyful or a more meaningful experience that if we could come to terms with the fact that that's what we are actually doing. Mm -hmm. Most people pray when it's either too late or they're in such desperation (laughs) that they hardly know what to say. It's like being thirsty. If I'm thirsty, the experts tell me I'm already dehydrated, right? Hmm. So I, I, I need to keep drinking so that I never really get thirsty, but I'm always supplied by water. And I think that the challenge to this whole life of, of prayer and the enjoyable quotient of it is that we need to make it uh, less of a moment in time and more of a daily walk so that we are never in a, well, I shouldn't say never in a desperate situation. God actually calls us to pray to him when we are. The psalmist is the classic example of that. But that the ongoing heartbeat and footprint of everyday life should be prayer. In my life, um, I would say that every time I hear an ambulance siren in the distance, I immediately kick into a conversation with God. I don't know the circumstances, but I'm asking God to be with the person that they're going to, to be with the driver to get there safely and get them back, to be with the surgeons and the nurses who are waiting for the disaster to arrive at the hospital. My goodness, that I can hardly call enjoyable, but it's, it's engaging. It's engaging. So when Wesley was asking his people, are you enjoying prayer? There's nothing less enjoyable than rote prayer. There's nothing more enjoyable than being on the cutting edge of a current experience. Hmm. You mentioned, you know, the, the prayer meetings in the churches being the most, the, the lowest attended things that we do. And we've somehow we've reversed, you know, the priority because any great movement, any great movement, any, any, you know, revival is, is doused in, in earnest, honest, humble prayer. Yes. 
it's that communication. It's the, it's the, you know, and, and some, and, and, and you're right because a lot of those prayers are not enjoyable. They're confessions of the soul. They're painful things. Hmm. Well, there's personal prayer and there's intercessory prayer. Sure. So the personal prayer is just that. It's yeah. personal. Yeah. It's the closet prayer. Right. You know, it's, it's going into the quiet place as we've been instructed and just having that conversation with God. There's intercessory prayer on behalf of someone else. Yeah. So that in that conversation, we're actually seeking to build a fence at the top of the cliff rather than pray for the ambulance at the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. And that, that is going before, that is going ahead of. And I think really, without getting inside Wesley's head, I, I think that that was his understanding of getting a person to a place of enjoying uh, prayer. Well, thank you, Ian, uh, for, those, for those words on the enjoyment of prayer and kind of maybe wrapping our minds around what that would really look like as, a, as opposed to the, you know, emotional, um, joyful thing, you know, about a real prayer life, you know, um, that is active and engaged with the Lord and being a part of his plan and purpose. Um, so we're, we're wrapping up here and I came across another question and I love to end kind of end these things kind of light, you know? Um, and so I read this, it's more of a statement than a question, but then they wrap it into a question and, and you'll understand. And I would just love to hear your thoughts, what you think. I certainly have some, some thoughts on this topic, uh, although I'm, I'm scared to share them. So the statement is this, and it's from a, u- a user on Yahoo Answers, which is my go-to website right now for random things. It says, I'm a vegetarian, but like the smell of KFC. Is that weird? <laughs> I, listener at home, I wish you could see the body language. I've never heard. I've never had a question like that asked me before. So the listener is a vegetarian. They're a vegetarian. But they like the smell of KFC. Is that weird? No, I don't think it's weird. I think that's being human. I, I think you make a decision to be a vegetarian, and uh, if you never knew what meat was, and you never knew what the smell of KFC was, I'd say, yeah, it's weird. But since you did, but you made a decision to opt out, you still smell. Sure. So go get your nose blocked and then you won't have the problem. Do you think that it's the chicken that they're smelling? Do you, th- do you think her, like this person's fear is it's the chicken and because they're a vegetarian, they feel odd that they're maybe, uh, uh, to me, I look at the question, I think, is there, an, you know, are they feeling pulled towards this? Like, wow, that, that smells good. What am, I, what am I missing? Or, so is it the chicken or is it the 11? Is it 11 herbs and, and spices? Yeah, it's, it's probably the 11 herbs and spices. Um, and you could probably have those 11 herbs and spices and leave the chicken alone. Put those 11 herbs and spices onto your uh, celery stick and you would probably be the happiest listener uh, on the face of this earth. That does not sound appealing to I me. Mean, but yeah, no, it uh, doesn't. Every- but, you know, if it's the herbs and spices that are doing the damage, you know, answer it. Like, just deal with it. Sure. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> what a weird question. <laughs> <laughs> what a weirder answer. Is weirder a word, Brad? Uh, it is for this, for this episode. Okay, it, I just want to be sure. It applies. Is that yeah. weird? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. So no, it's not weird because you're human and th- some things smell good. And so that it's okay to like that smell. You know what this is starting to sound like? What's that now? The Tim and Sid show. 
I've never seen it. Okay, well, it's beginning to look a little bit like that, you know. But and it's not not that there's anything wrong with that. But I, yeah, it's good actually. It's okay, good. well, yeah. I want to mention uh, KFC is not a sponsor. Right. And what was the show you just referenced? Tim and Sid. Not a sponsor. No, not a sponsor. Just no. we got to just right. throw that out there. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. Uh, um, well, Ian, thank you so much for for being our guest today. I would love to get you on another time if you know if you're ever available. Uh, one thing that I've been looking to do is I hear an awful lot from students that I that I minister with and talk to. They they um, they show me what they're listening to, the music that they're that they're engaged in, and um, and I hear a lot. I love the music. I know the lyrics are are bad, but I, I like the music, and I've tried to challenge them on that. That there there is a genre of music, you know, it doesn't, you know, I, I, I'm a big proponent of Christian music. I love finding, you know, random bands that can fill kind of every niche. Um, but I'm curious to know what you're listening to right now that you would share with the listener. Mm-hmm. Well, there's two songs that come to mind. Uh, every morning I walk around the campground, I put my, uh, Earphones in, like I'm just going to call them earphones. That's I, probably I a 70s right. earphones. No. I listen to uh, rather a, a, an, an eclectic mix. Okay. But since um, Nazarene Youth Congress is going to be uh, in in the Southwest United States next July, uh, Glenn Campbell's "By the Time I Get to Phoenix" is a real hit with me right now. Okay. But the number one hit, Brad. What's that? Andrea. Bocelli. Can I say that again? Because I just love it. Yeah, please. Andrea Bocelli. <laughs> He's and using he, his hands. He's yeah, using his hands yeah. to say like, it. It's hands. amazing. Andrea Bocelli. And he is singing the Lord's Prayer. Now, I want to tell you something. 63 years old? Yeah, I should know the Lord's Prayer. But if you're 13 years old or 23 years old or anything in between, go and put that on. Get your headphones on. Get into a dark corner. Take a walk in the sunshine and listen to it. I'm going to tell you something. You'll have goosebumps that'll stay with you all day. I think you've played that for us. Uh, yeah, I, I, and it, I might play it before the weekends. It's brought an awful lot of us to tears. It is a very moving song. That's what I'm listening to. A well, lot. Well, thank you, Ian. I'm not even going to pretend to try to pronounce those again for the listener. Andrea oh, Bocelli. There he goes. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. It's just like Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Do, do we leave that in? <laughs> Cut the song. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you for taking the time to You're be welcome, with us. Brad. It's been a blast. Again, Ian. Uh, listener at home, please make sure that uh, that you rate and review the show. It helps get our, our podcast promoted on all the major platforms. Tell somebody about the show. And we would love to be able to get your questions on the show and take the time uh, to answer them and to do the research and just to be able to help out in any way that we could. So if you want to do that, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter, the Oxford Holy Club, and uh, we'll soon have an email to put out there if you would like to email us. And, uh, and you can send questions in or comments about the show. So remember, rate, review, comment, all that kind of stuff. Show your love, show your support, which you have, and we've been very appreciative. So until next time, stay spiritually fit and have fun.